Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, all right. You know, just uh, just have so much work and no motivation to do it. And I feel like that's just a common theme in every single university student I've ever talked to. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, just basic. <laughs> right on that level. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I did a whole bunch of research before, like, getting back to university, so I wouldn't have to do a ton then, and I did this, like, about a month ago, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see if my brain did the notes correctly this time, (laughs) and I really hope I thought ahead. I don't have that much faith in myself, though. I believe it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Okay, well, um, I'm Sonya. And welcome to Grimm. Woo! Um, okay, so this week we're back with True Crime. Really fun. I, uh, was... I just watched this TikTok this morning, and I think I sent it to you. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, but it was, like, um, mostly women, like, listen to true crime or read true crime to relax because subconsciously we're trying to learn survival techniques. Oh, and, no, I have not seen that oh, yet. Oh, when you see it. It's pretty I interesting. Yeah, I've been on TikTok today. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I really understand it now. I feel like I am really trying to just learn some survival techniques from these people and uh, yeah. if I remember correctly this one could learn a lot real fun okay so this week we're talking about Robert Hansen I don't know if you uh, know about him I don't think so I don't think he's super like common like common knowledge was in like one of the big serial killers but um yeah. He was born in 1939 to a Danish immigrant who came to Iowa as a baker. Um, which honestly, like, I kind of want that in my life. To be a baker? Yeah. I yeah. feel like that'd just be really nice to be surrounded by baked goods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, when he was younger, he was described as a skinny, painfully shy boy who had a stutter and severe acne and his acne was so bad that it actually ended up permanently scarring his face which um, is kind of kind of upsetting and I feel like it's a, a struggle yeah. that it's like a big fear of mine as well yeah it's, it's something a lot of people are insecure mm-hmm. about um, and his father you know like most of the stories that we listen to with true crime his father made him work really long hours in his bakery um, and he was forced to use his right hand to perform all of these tasks even though he was left-handed and um, I actually haven't really looked into the psychology behind it but um, one of the articles I read mentioned that he had a really bad stutter and it was probably caused by this switch and like forcing him to use his right hand instead of his left hand even though like he was left-hand dominant um, which I, I thought that was pretty interesting I didn't realize like it could affect multiple regions of your brain, you know, like your like dexterity affects your speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And because of all of this, he didn't really get a lot of attention from the girls at school or anything. And because of that, he started to resent women. And he even went so far as to have like these big fantasies of getting revenge on them because they didn't like him. No. So just felt not good. Yeah, a lot of red flags in his early years. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, he was probably he's like mostly a loner throughout most of his teen years, and as you can also imagine, he had a really difficult relationship with his father, um, who was described as very domineering, which kind of makes sense, you know, like he forced him to work really long hours at the bakery and like not use his dominant hand or anything like that. It feels um, a little bit abusive. Yeah. Um, in his free time, he would usually go out hunting or he would practice archery. So again, skills that are kind of a red flag, especially when talking about him in the true crime setting kind of really sets up for the rest of yeah. his life. Kind of like violent kind of hobbies, I guess. Yeah. Like not always, but in, in, yeah, in this context, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I know it's like a very common thing to like go hunting in like the Midwest and everything. But yeah, especially when we're talking about it in like a true crime context, it feels very violent. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1957, he ended up serving a year in the army as well before he was discharged. And then after he was discharged, he went on to work as an assistant drill instructor at this police academy that was also in Iowa. So again, we're talking like a profession that's also inherently very violent. Mm. And there he met a woman who he actually ended up marrying um, later on in the summer of 1960. Um, And then a couple months later... On December 7th in 1960 as well, he was arrested for arson. Uh, uh, Which I feel like, I don't remember if we've talked about it here or just like we've talked about it, but that's usually Mm -hmm. like a gateway into big crimes. What actually happened was that he burned down this bus garage and he basically said that it was revenge for him being unpopular in high school. Okay, yeah. I'm not following why, but okay. <laughs> exactly, I don't really see the correlation there, but I guess in his mind yeah. it made sense. Interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. um, he was sentenced to three years in prison then, and then he spent 20 months in the Anamosa State Pen- Penitentiary. Um, during that time, during these 20 months, he actually ended up being diagnosed with bipolar disorder with, per- with periodic schizophrenic episodes. So we're talking about a man who has had an undesirable childhood coupled with a severe mental illness. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think at the time it wasn't the specific. It wasn't like bipolar disorder with periodic schizophrenic episodes. They just kind of grouped everything together as manic depression. So um, like the records at the time would state manic depression. But I think now they've realized like exactly what it was. Okay. Um, and during this whole evaluation thing, the psychiatrist at the prison actually stated that Hanson had a quote unquote infantile personality. And interesting, right? Very interesting. And it's kind of like Freudian, you know, like he never moved past, like, because of the trauma in his childhood, he never really moved past that stage. Yeah, I think that was probably it, like, the everything that happened with his father. And also mm-hmm. just, like, the rejection and everything that probably, like, stuck him there and, like, he wasn't able to get past it or something. 
The psychiatrist also mentioned in the report that he was obsessed with getting revenge on some like those who had wronged him was I think the like phrasing but um yeah so it kind of relates back to like him wanting to get revenge on the women who like didn't find him attractive yeah that's mm, not a good sign yeah yeah like psychologically doesn't look good <laughs> it really doesn't does it no. <laughs> um, during the time that he was in prison, his wife actually ended up filing for divorce. Um, oh. Which, I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit risky on her part, especially since that, like, he could think that she has wronged him in some way and then, like, come after her. Yeah, I'm worried about um, that. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's, like, always super dangerous because obviously you want to get out of a bad situation, but, like, would it be worse to have someone come after you? I'm actually not sure of like how good the witness protection program or anything is like in this time but I'd be worried about that I'd like if I was going to file for divorce I'd want to go into witness protection or something because I feel like that's a particularly dangerous situation yeah um so he was released from prison uh eventually and even like though he was released he actually ended up going back to prison a few more times for just petty theft it wasn't as bad as like arson or anything, but he did end up going back. Um, during the time that he was released, he got married to his second wife in 1963, and they had two children together. So I think it's really, I guess it was fine um, for his first wife because in 1967 he moved to Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, isn't that where um, uh, Israel Keys was? Yeah, yeah, it was. Interesting. Alaska just seems particularly dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> it really tracks. Especially Anchorage. Like, yeah. Anchorage specifically. Well, I think it's because Anchorage is, like, the bigger city. So, like, if you want to move to Alaska, mm. you'd want to go where, like, the people are. Wait, what year is this? 1967. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when he moved to Anchorage, he settled on his house. And he was apparently very well-liked by his neighbors and, like, the people in the town and such. He was... Like, there were no problems or anything. Um, also, he uh, was skilled in hunting from his childhood and everything, so he set a couple of, like, local hunting records and stuff like that. Um, he was arrested later on, and those hunting records were, like, voided because, like, you can't have a prisoner have hunting records. But yeah, people were <laughs> like, oh, what a cool guy. <laughs> um it was uh, four years later that he was arrested. Um, in December of 1971, he was arrested twice, actually. And this is oh. where things get a little bit dicey because before when he was arrested, it was just for like petty theft and for arson, which I know is like a bigger thing. But this time he was arrested for the abduction and attempted rape of a woman. Okay, yeah, that's that's bigger yeah a, a big leap um and the second time he was arrested was for raping a prostitute okay yeah not good not good um he pled nolo contendere i feel like i'm butchering latin but i also feel like there's no way for latin to be like pronounced so <laughs> that's what he pled it's latin for i do not wish to contend um and it's like a plea of no contest so the defendant neither admits to the charge or disputes a charge it's like oh. an alternative to pleading strictly guilty or not guilty but it has the same effect as pleading guilty in that it's often like 
a plea bargain. Like, if you plead it, you get the plea bargain, but you don't plead guilty. Law is weird. I don't okay. know. <laughs> um, so he pled no contest to assault with a deadly weapon, which was in the case of the abduction and attempted rape of a woman. And the second rape charge was dropped as part of the plea bargain when he pled no contest. Okay. Which is, I don't know, that's... If I was the person who was raped, I'd be very upset about this. Yeah, I would be mad. I would be like, he did a bad thing, and I want him to be charged for it. Yeah. Um, But he was charged for five years in prison. um, And he spent six months in prison, and then he went on this work release program. So he ended up living in a halfway house. So he wasn't, like, in prison, prison, which, again... If I was, like, either of these women in these charges, I would be so angry. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And does he, he has a wife and children still, right? Like, they're not. Yeah, I don't think they got divorced. I think they're just living in the house. And then he went to prison and then went to this halfway house. Um, Okay. Uh, Five years later, in 1976, he pled guilty to the theft of a chainsaw from a department store in Anchorage. I just... uh, And again, he was sentenced to five years in prison and then was required by the court to get treatment for bipolar disorder. Okay, good. Um, Again, the Alaska Supreme Court ended up reducing the sentence and he was released before serving the whole five years. Did he still need like get the treatment yeah i think he was being treated oh like well in prison well in prison yeah okay um in the early 1980s when he was out of prison he was living back at his house he reported that his house was robbed um it actually wasn't robbed he staged this robbery but he got money from this insurance company um so he committed insurance fraud and with that money he opened up this bakery like his father taught him to do when he was younger and even though he'd been to prison a couple of times this really secured his position in the community as this like well-liked family man who could do no wrong Mm, i don't like it i don't like it either because two years later in january of 1982 he bought a bush plane even though he was actually denied a license to fly said bush plane because he had bipolar disorder and he was on medication for that so they said it would be dangerous for him to pilot a plane. He still bought one anyway. Casually has a plane? <laughs> he, he casually has a plane. It comes into the story later. It's not very okay. fun, but he does have a plane even though he's flying it unlicensed. I feel like that's a weird thing that you can buy a plane without being able to like pilot it. Like I get it, like you can still buy it, but I don't know, it just feels weird to like be able to buy a plane and then like in theory it just sits there because you can't fly it you know well that's the thing he did fly it like he he flew this plane and stuff he just was flying without a license yeah like illegally which yeah the weird thing is he'd have to store it somewhere so whatever airport little airstrip he's storing it at like they're they just have the plane he's storing it there and they didn't care that he doesn't have a license which is really weird to me yeah yeah that's a lot I don't know, it was 1982, he was probably paying them, so they didn't really care. Yeah, true. Um, so, basically, the point that I want to make here is that Hanson was seriously messed up. Like, I feel yeah. like when you talk about serial killers for long enough, like we've done, and you, like, listen to true crime and you watch true crime, 
you kind of start to distance yourself from the stories in a way but for me personally with this story I did actually have to take a couple breaks from researching because I just like couldn't do it in one go um I don't know this story was like a lot for me oh god um okay so if you remember this right now we're talking about 1982 um when he bought his bush plane but they think he actually started killing 10 years earlier in 1972 or 73 after his first rape sentence was served Um, his M.O. was that he targeted prostitutes or exotic dancers who were... This age range is wild to me, from their mid-te- mid-teens to their early 40s. Oh my god, yeah, that is really big. So he didn't have a preference at all, he was just, like, any woman. He just hated them, I guess. Um, and he would abduct them and take them to this meat shack that he had by the airport where he kept his bush plane later on, um... And he later stated that he would let them live if they submitted to his sexual fantasies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Ew. yeah. So he would rape the women who didn't and then strip them naked before just leaving them in the wilderness where he would hunt them with his 223 hunting rifle. Oh my god. And I just cannot imagine how scared they were mm-hmm. like I, I just can't imagine holy shit um, I think the um if you remember the criminal minds episode where like they were hunting yeah. where they like abducted people and hunting or hunted yeah, them just, yeah I that's think what was, popped into my mind <laughs> yeah I think it was based on this case but this is so much worse because they were these women were already like terrified and then they were assaulted and then they were naked in mm-hmm. the forest and that's just so incredibly brutal I, I can't even imagine um, so he would hunt them down and kill them and then he would take pieces of jewelry as trophies and bury the bodies um, and then he marked the burial sites on this map that he had he would also, if there were women who said that they would submit to whatever he wanted, he would rape them and then force them into having oral sex with him, or he would assault them with, like, handles, um, hammers or broomsticks. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, after he was taken into police custody, he claimed that he... This was, like, after he was caught and everything. He became claimed that he became a serial rapist in 1973 and he said that he would abduct prostitutes from the Tenderloin district in Anchorage and he claimed that he would return the ones who complied alive back to Anchorage. From 1973 to 1983 he abducted and raped at least 30 women that he ended up letting go. God. And that's a lot of women and that's not even all of them. No, right, it's not because, let go. yeah, he let them go, and it was at least 17 women that he picked up between 1980 and 1983, who he took into the woods and he hunted. Oh my god. I've never hated someone more, like, mm-hmm. there's so much rage, <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah. oh my god. Um... 
1982, the body of Sherry Morrow was found near a river by two off-duty police officers. Um, It took them two weeks to identify the body, and they did report that they found a shell casing near her body. Two years earlier, in 1980, like two years before they found Sherry Morrow, um, they found two other bodies under similar circumstances. One of the bodies was never identified, but the other one was Joanne Messina. Um, and I, I feel like I mention this every single time we have like an unidentified victim, but their their poor family is like yeah, for sure, so sad. Yeah. On June thirteenth, nineteen eighty three, uh, Hanson saw seventeen year old Cindy Paulson. And he offered her $200 for oral sex, which she accepted. But when she got into the car, he pulled out a gun and held her at gunpoint as he drove her to his house. At his house, he tortured and raped her. When she was found, she actually told the police that he chained her to a post in the basement by her neck. Um, Later, he took her to the airport, intending to take her to his cabin, which was in the Mick River area. And this area is only accessible by boat or plane, so it is super secluded, and that's probably why it took them so long to, like, catch on to this, and they probably never would have if, like, they didn't find her. Oh, my God. So he presumably took her there, like, intending to hunt her like he did with the other woman um but he left her in the car as he went to load the cockpit of the airplane and his back was turned so she being incredibly smart called out the back seat and into the driver's seat where she escaped and she ran towards this nearby road yes she also left her shoes in the back seat of the car as like evidence that she had been there mm, smart so she did well um Hansen saw her escape, like he saw her run, and he panicked and chased her, but she ended up making it to the road and managed to get the attention of someone in a passing truck. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So this was Robert Young. He was the driver, and I can't imagine what was going through his head as well as he, like, was driving, and then he just sees this disheveled, barefoot girl in, like, handcuffs. Um, but he stopped to pick her up, and he drove her to the Mush Inn, and she basically ran inside and like begged the person there to call her boyfriend so they did and then she called the police to report what had happened um she ended up going to the motel where her boyfriend was staying and the police showed up there later just to find her still handcuffed and alone um but they took her to the police station so that she could like help id hansen um, what she did, so they brought Hansen into custody, but he denied the accusation, and he stated that she was just trying to cause him trouble and like was trying to extort him because he paid her for sex and she was just trying to get money out of him. Um, but unfortunately for him, he had a reputation, and he had been arrested several times before. Mm-hmm. But the problem was, if you remember what I mentioned before, he was, like, considered a family man and, like, a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. 
and people vouched for him because they thought that he was a good person. Oh, no. So even though he'd been arrested several times before, his friend John Henning gave him an alibi. So he wasn't considered a suspect, and the case went cold for a really long time. Like a fake alibi? Like he just lied? Yeah, it was basically a fake alibi. Yeah. Um, And it went cold, even though Paulson gave his description and also gave the make, color, and tail number of his plane. Which I just oh, like fine. it really shows you what who people believe. Yeah. Like she's seventeen years old, she's traumatized mm-hmm. and she still remembered his like face so she could ID him as well as his plane, like his car. Yeah. Like she gave all of that information and just because people were like, Oh no, he never could do that it didn't matter that he'd been arrested before. His friend was like, No, he's he didn't do it and they just believed him. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. And like every single time we talk about a case where it could have been solved, but the police just didn't do things right, this is definitely one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Like they could have just arrested him right then and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Years before, they had found three bodies that were all basically found under similar circumstances. So they did realize that they might have a serial killer. Okay. But this case went cold for a very long time. And then on September 2nd, the body of Paula Golding was found. So they brought the case up again because it was the same circumstances as the three cases before. At this point, they didn't really connect Cindy Pauling's case and these cases. So it was just, like, this case with the three bodies, that was brought up again. Okay. Which, again, brings me irrational anger because they could have just caught him and no one else had to die. Yeah. I mean, even if they caught him for that, though, I feel like, I don't know if it could have been connected unless he confessed, you know? True. Because it's not in the woods. It was just, like, Yeah. yeah. But if he went to jail, like, yeah, it would have stopped. Have been yeah. free to kill anyone. Yeah. You know? Um, which I know would have been like really upsetting for the families of the victims who like didn't have any closure, but at least there wouldn't be any new victims. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Detective Glenn Floth was a part of this team who was like working on the case, and he contacted Special Agent John Douglas from the FBI and requested help with a psychological profile based on the bodies that they had found. So Douglas said the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, a history of being rejected, and would be compelled to keep souvenirs from the murder. And he also mentioned that it was possible that the killer would have a stutter. Wow. So using this profile, Floth realized that Hanson basically fit the description and also owned a bush plane. That's like a really good profile. (laughs) It is a really good profile, right? I wonder how he did that. Um, So he talked to the people who gave him the alibi the first time, and they confessed that it was a false alibi, and then they brought Hanson in for questioning. So they got a search warrant for his plane, vehicle, and house, and on October 27, 1983, they found jewelry that belonged to some of the women that they found. 
and they also found this aeronautical chart with a bunch of X's on it behind the headboard. It was later discovered that these X's were mostly burial sites. Hansen, I absolutely cannot with this man. He still tried denying everything. Mm -hmm. And then when he realized he couldn't, he went on to blame his victims to justify his actions. Mm -mm. Not a good look. And I just have no words. No. I have no Mm -hmm. words. He eventually confessed and admitted to the spree killing against women starting in 1971. Out of the 17 women he murdered, he was only charged with the murders of four of them, as well as raping and torturing Paulson. Oh my god. He made a plea bargain where he confessed to everything, and he promised to give details in exchange for serving his sentence in a federal prison and in exchange for avoiding the media. Um, so he, while he wasn't charged with the murders of 17 women... He did show the police 17 burial sites, but apparently there were two more that he refused to tell them about. That's so weird. So, well, most people think that it was because these two women, they weren't prostitutes or strippers, so he couldn't, like, justify murdering them, and he couldn't blame them for him murdering them. Interesting. Um, Yeah, so that's very upsetting to me. And I really hope that the families of those two women, like, eventually find closure. And I, yeah. that's just so sad. Um, I will link the sources that have, like, lists of his victims below in the description if you guys want to know more. Um, all of these women deserve better, and they should be remembered. And I just feel so bad for all yeah. of them. Um. At this sentencing, he was sentenced by jury to 461 years plus life without the possibility of parole. And he ended up dying on August 21st, 2014, when he was 75 years old. Yeah, that is, um, that is the story. Um, yeah, yeah, it it took me a while to research this one. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, yeah, I'm glad he finally got to be in prison and, like, had to repent for his actions because he was an absolutely horrific man, like, an absolutely horrible man, and I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. Yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) that was the story I have for you. I'm sorry it was so sad. But, um, you know, I had to research it, so I had to share it with you so you could suffer That's with true. me. It's just how it be. It's just how it be. <laughs> I refuse to suffer alone. <laughs> On you. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, do you want to, you know, switch the mood up a little bit so we don't end on such a depressing um, note? Well, I'm at school again, so still a depressing note. <laughs> Uh, my classes start tomorrow not fun yummy i'm taking a bio class so i don't know when my voice is now giving out <clears throat> oh my god okay anyway i'm not taking a bio <laughs> class so maybe you'll have you'll 
probably have to help me with that. <laughs> a little scary, oh but it's all good. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to like switch my schedule around because it's not looking great right now. I have like four classes back to back on Tuesdays and Thursdays that are yeah Ew. like an hour 15 each so I'm not really Ew. happy with that so I'm gonna try and switch that but it's not looking good right now because no one's switching out of those classes so very fun very fun oh, damn <laughs> that sounds so nasty yeah it, it's not gonna be fun <laughs> but yikes man yeah. that's it from me got anything mm. Yeah, just about the same. Um, I'm going through that thing where I have work to do and I start the work and then I get distracted by, like, mm-hmm. a book or, like, a text or something just because I, like, I'm not in the mood to do things. Yeah, I feel that. Which is <laughs> the best, but, you know, you know, we're getting through it. Like, I've been working on one of these articles from one of my tutorials for probably the past three days um I just can't figure it out so really just doing well but it's okay I got out of um isolation yesterday so I went on a really nice long walk around Edinburgh and it wasn't super windy or super cold so it was really great I missed walking around the city um and yeah looking forward to doing that again there was snow on the ground so I did almost die a couple of times (laughs) Because my shoes have like oh, no traction. Yeah. You know, it's fine though. I if I slip and fall in Edinburgh, at least it's in Edinburgh. <laughs> you know, if I break a leg, they won't charge me to fix That's it. True. So it's all good. <laughs> I really vibe with the universal healthcare. <laughs> um, yeah, but that is it for me. Um, and do you have anything else to add? Um, I do not. Just. Pray for me that I get a better schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I am praying for you, my dude. That Thank is you. hell. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you wanna take us oh, out? Yes. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Grim Podcast. Uh, follow us, like our photos, DM us, and then from our profile, there's a button to email us. You can email us at thegrimpodcast at gmail um, Send us your thoughts on a case that we've covered or suggestions on a case we should cover really anything it would be nice to hear from someone um we have a twitter uh podcast podcast gram yeah and a facebook grim podcast Mm -hmm. and other than that just leave us a good review and tell your friends and family about us yeah and we'll see you guys next week stay safe stay healthy bye bye